When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Great to have you in on Thursday. It's Hale Bar City Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, David Barr in for you on this day as we inch closer to a weekend full of uh, high-level football. Some Nebraska news and notes from the head man, Scott Frost, as he made his appearance on the network last night after about a month away. Some time to recharge. We are loaded up. We'll talk to Brandon Vogel. A good feature going on, HaleVarsity.com, when you rate the position groups. And uh, the latest rating is the offensive line. We'll talk about uh, some of those big dudes on the line of scrimmage with Brandon Vogel. Some big picture topics with Nebraska. And, of course, uh, we'll dive into the Chiefs, Bills, Packers, and Bucks. Numbers to get in 466-3776-4673776-80825-5865. Those are the numbers to dial up. Get email Chris at HaleVarsity.com. Give us a follow. Find us on Twitter at Schmidt underscore radio. Chris Schmidt at Damon Barr. That's two R's for Damon. In hour two, we'll run down Gary Barnett. I want to get his take on that that answer. Maybe he knows it, maybe he doesn't. But the the, the question of why why is Eric B enemy still an, an an offensive coordinator for the Chiefs after 3 amazing years and a really good career in the NFL and a good career in college as an assistant. So a guy that worked uh on coach Barnett's staff when he was in Colorado, uh Eric B enemy. What's What's the holdup here? We'll talk some college ball. Tennessee making a hell of a good hire. And as uh, athletic director, uh, Mr. White is now headed from Central Florida uh, all the way up to uh, to Knoxville. So uh, where does Tennessee go with their head coach? Or is it Kevin Steele uh, for a year or beyond? We'll get into some college ball there. Excited to talk to a a 10-year vet. Was a standout with the Buffalo Bills. And also uh, a great Husker, the pride of Auburn, uh, Chris Kelsey. Uh, Chris and Chad, really, the the two prides of Auburn. But uh, Chris Kelsey will be with us at 525. We'll talk a little Bills Mafia as uh, Arrowhead will have uh, a lot of Nebraska Bills fans trying to get down there and some former Husker Bills that will uh, find their way to Arrowhead. Best bets, where do you lean? Where do you go for this weekend with Tampa, Green Bay, and, uh, of course, 
the uh, showdown with Kansas City and Buffalo. Danny Burke will be in with uh, Burke's best bets. Numbers to get in. You have them. Let's uh, jump in. And a lot of things were covered by Scott Frost uh, last night on his uh, his coach's interview with the network. And special teams, uh, of course, uh, the bowl game uh, was touched on. And, and really the schedule, the, uh, the news and notes out of last night, nothing true, too dramatic, but what Nebraska is going to be able to do. And I can only imagine trying to figure out recruiting, coach a season, deal with COVID, regroup, and jump into 2021 with the hopes and and thoughts of getting some some uninterrupted development done. All right, so from a winter conditioning, a strength and conditioning point, Nebraska was able to knock that out a year ago before the pandemic invaded in and things got all sorts of crusty locally and nationally. And, and, and you saw that, right? You saw that with Nebraska with how they were better on both lines of scrimmage. So you saw the strength and conditioning. You see what Coach Duvall's been doing. You see what the kids are committed to doing. And some of the front-line guys and even the depth on the on the defensive line, specifically Nebraska's not pushed around anymore. That is good news. That is great news. Now you're going to get stacked a second year here of, of winter conditioning, and things are, are going to get underway next Monday, right? Classes start up. Damon Barr's jacked for that. Damon's got his uh, Bernie mittens on in tribute right now to run the show. But eight weeks of winter conditioning for Nebraska. Then they'll have five weeks of spring practice. Uh, end of March is when it will begin. And then things will uh, culminate with a May 1st spring game. So that's as, almost as late as you can go because finals get rolling, I think, the first part of May uh, for 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 college students, so going to get a May Day spring game. I'm hoping you're going to have a crowd. You're seeing more uh, venues allow crowds. Uh, specifically, if we look down to Arrowhead, Arrowhead's going to have uh, several thousand. It's not a full house of uh, crazed uh, Budweiser and, and Boulevard drinking Chiefs fans, but it'll be all right from an atmosphere standpoint. Uh, for Nebraska, let's hope you get. Several thousand, don't know what the capacity will look like, but it could be a lot better here as we move forward towards spring. And what's nice here is Nebraska is going to have, you put that math together, 13 weeks together to grind, to get better, to get bigger, to get stronger, to get faster, and then also to work out some kinks on what they want to do on offense and figure out where guys can can fit in. Uh, When it comes to the bowl game situation, Kind of paraphrasing what Scott Frost said. Listen, you know, guys, really, a lot of guys wanted to go play in the bowl game. There were some guys that didn't. He left it up to the team. Uh, I don't know that anyone's real thrilled with the result when you leave it up. And the the bottom line comment was, you know, if we're not all in, we we probably shouldn't go. So the alternative after a trying year was to sit back, recharge, and 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 that's the decision that was made. And I, I don't know who, I don't know specifically who was in, who was out, who was disinterested, who was interested. 
But the way the defense was playing and the fact you've got some defensive guys that could have moved on uh, that came back, I would I would lean that the defense sure as hell wanted to go play uh, a, a bowl game. Offensively, man, it was it was a tough year for the offense. We'll get into the offensive line thoughts with Brandon Vogel coming up. When it comes to special teams, that's uh, uh, that's a situation that, that Scott Frost was honest with when it comes to, to Rutledge. Listen, there's no ill will between Rutledge out the door. If you read Mitch Sherman's uh, Q&A, there's no ill will towards Scott Frost with Rutledge. It, it just didn't work out, right? And that was a kind of a quick exit. On the other side, you didn't see performance. And it was too difficult of a spot, quite honestly, uh, to, to have a guy not be able to be hands-on. Uh, eventually, you're going to have to fix that misstep of not having a hands-on special teams guy either on staff or you reassign somebody currently on staff and you bring in somebody full-time as a special teams coach uh, early enrollees uh, Nebraska has got a number of guys that they're going to indoctrinate into the football program the culture uh, on the topic of Wandale Robinson it's kind of the world we're living in quoting Scott Frost with that uh, free transfer portal and it's just tough to to keep guys and that's happening to a lot of places it's just a bad look when your best offensive guy uh takes off even though he's featured we'll see if things can get refined offensively for nebraska uh, to to find an identity and i know we just absolutely harp on that but frost was uh, right on the money with uh when it comes being better on special teams that's his responsibility as head coach is, is finding the person or the group or the assignment or him taking it on himself, whatever the next direction is, it, it's got to be better. Because as a fan base, you've seen it hose the team, not only from a momentum standpoint or a field position standpoint, but it's physically cost Nebraska points. It's cost them uh, momentum in a football game, and it's led to, it's led to losses. And Scott Frost last night, if we're better on special teams, we probably have a few more games we won around here the last two years. I'm looking forward to trying to identify the right guy to come in and really get our guys bought into special teams and improve in some areas where we weren't good enough. You know, buy-in is is so key. And also the depth part of it. What's your roster look like? What's your development behind your studs look like? And that's always been how you've gotten on the field. You've heard Jay Moore talk about it. Uh, you've heard Jay Foreman talk about it. You've heard guys say, hey, that's that's how I found my way onto the field. I remember uh, Colin Miller early in his career. He made an impact. I remember JoJo Doman making an impact early in his career. Guys, you found a way to get on the field with special teams. You know that element of the game where it's open field, head on a swivel, and you've got to tackle in space. It's one thing about tackling in space on a bubble screen. It's quite another where everyone's hauling ass downfield on a punt. you got to put the brakes on, <laughs> corral a guy that's free to run, move left to right, north to south, and, and make the tackle. And you just got to be able to ha- have your sure tacklers or a group of sure tacklers, not guys that want to do it or your B team, out there that may or may not be ready because they're the ones that are hungry to go do it. And you don't want to risk your starters per se all the time out there because 
someone could pop a knee or something, God forbid, on special teams. And, oh, yeah, by the way, he's our starting safety. So it's, it's a mixture uh, of, of where you go. But uh, the buy-in is this. And, and Jay told us early in the week about how when Bill Bush was the special teams guy here at Nebraska, that's when Jay was down at Nebraska. And he's like, look, how he got buy-in was he went the statistical route. And I'm sure that that sunk in. They block a field goal. They block a punt. You give up a punt return. You give up a kickoff return. You're going to lose the game. Statistics don't lie with this. You give give up a kickoff or a punt return, you're hosed because that's a, a, a phase of the football game where they're getting free points. And, oh, yeah, momentum's a mother. It just swings momentum big time. So those are some of the thoughts from from Scott Frost last night Uh, on a local uh, scale. uh, We were talking about this that we got an answer to and kudos to the folks, the powers that be in Lincoln, uh, Jeff Maul and the crew and the folks at the NSAA. The Boys and Girls State Basketball Tournament will stay in Lincoln in 2021. You had a vote that happened today that has moved the uh, state tournament for girls and for boys to a five-day format, an 8-0 vote by the board of directors this morning to keep the uh, 2021 NSAA Girls and Boys State Basketball Tournament in Lincoln. Uh, The new adoption of a five-day format is going to spread out the number of games played at at a given location to help with COVID-19 precautions. Games will only be played this year at uh, LPS sites and PBA, not Devaney. The issue with Devaney is going to be volleyball contest, which is fine. Devaney's a, a good spot to do games. I've done opening round uh, action the last few years at Devaney, and it's it's sweet. I mean, that's where I grew up going to watch state tournament games, and but, but PBA's been been a blast, and that's so good. You know, that's just so. Uh, important for the community of Lincoln to continue to, to host this, to keep this. And even in pandemic times, you got to keep it here because you can't, you, you couldn't risk losing it to, to Omaha. Because once it's gone, you're going to have to fight like hell to get it back. And the, the folks that are uh, looking out for the, uh, the visitors and the tourism dollars and, keeping Lincoln vibrant with uh, money being spent in this community uh, did a wonderful job of making that importance known. It's, it's one thing to, to say, yeah, it's important to keep uh, events like this in town. It's another thing in a freak show pandemic to, to get it nailed down and to be flexible and, and kudos to PBA as well and LPS sites to, to open this up. That's, that's big. So I'm, I'm smiling for that uh, personally, just with the games that we've done and carried on ESPN and KFOR locally. And, of course, uh, the coverage you get with uh, your high school sports on Newstalk 900 and ESPN 1460, 1550 with Duda and the crew out in central Nebraska. So we'll hit offensive line next. Think about this number. If you're grading on a scale of 1 to 10, what number would you put next to that offensive line group? I'm a little lower than our friends at Hale Varsity have graded. I, I'm torn a bit because I look at what Nebraska did 
with the running game. I look at what Nebraska averaged. I look at who Nebraska put up rushing yards against, and that is Iowa. That is Ohio State. That is Northwestern. They put up good yards against those foes. But when it came to to drop back and protect your quarterback, in some instances, it, it, it blew up. It was costly. Now, I think upside, big picture, long term, with his offensive line group of Corcoran and Piper and Jurgens and Benhart and maybe Hickson or Bando or Newley or Miller. I mean, they'll find a right guard. And they may be even a better offensive line this year than last year, dare I say it. And I know they lost Farniak and I know they lost Hymas. But I think Corcoran can be better than Hymas. And I think you can have more of a natural guard than Farniak. And Farniak wasn't great, but he's a hell of a good dude and, and gave the effort. But it was just, it was a position switch for him. We'll hit offensive line. They're rating next. And we're back. Fellas, you think we could listen to the radio? On Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes! That's awesome! We're going to hit some sports gambling in about 15 minutes. You've got a state senator in Nebraska that wants to give people an option to vote for legal sports betting in the state. You've seen the renderings of some of these uh, casinos, specifically uh, down there uh, off of uh, Warlick and 14th near Highway 77. It's going to be pretty sweet casino setup. How about a sports book? We say hi to Brandon Vogel, managing editor, HaleVarsity.com and magazine, at Brandon L. Vogel. On Twitter, his book, Get It, uh, with John Cook, Dream Like a Champion. Vogues, how about uh, putting some heat down? You and I having a nice grilled chicken sandwich, a frosty beer, on, on an NFL Sunday, and we can we can put some heat down. Just, just down the road from where you and I watched the Breaking Bad finale. <laughs> I, I, I like it. I, I can tell you that uh, the state of Tennessee legalized sports betting uh, on November 1st. And, uh, you know, sitting around on a random Thursday night and being like, well, I'm going to watch this Mac game anyway. What if I put <laughs> 10 bucks on it via, via the app uh-huh. um, is, 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 is a pretty good deal. Um, so, yeah. I think it's coming. I think it's coming to most places eventually. Uh, it's just kind of a matter of of local politics and, and how soon the estate is willing to get there. Right. Well, and and right now, what does the the uh, the sports book at Casa de Vogel say about the next Tennessee head coach? As long as we're talking futures. <laughs> um, I, I I still have uh, Kevin Steele as a as a heavy favorite. I think. Um, but it's a good it's a good AD hire. Um, Danny White mm-hmm. is. I mean, I, I know a lot of Husker fans became kind of familiar with him when it looked like Nebraska was going to uh, to take his head coach at, at UCF. Um, hired Lance Leipold, uh, another guy with with some some Nebraska ties at Buffalo, which has worked out really well. He's an unconventional thinker, um, I think, which is which is pretty rare in, in college sports. Um, 
And that's, that's what a place like Tennessee needs, I think. You know, they're, in a lot of ways, they're, they're similar to Nebraska in terms of their last, like, big success on, you know, a national that everybody in the country takes notice level. Um, and in some ways, just geography and some other things limited a little bit. Like, you got to be outside the box, I think, to kind of get back to, to where programs like that have, have been in the past. And Danny White is a guy who personally, I think, is, has shown he's more than capable of doing that. It's also kind of a matter of, of, speaking of local politics, like what are you allowed to do? So it'll be interesting to watch. Brandon Vogel's with us on Hale Varsity Radio. So let's go through, and I love the features HaleVarsity.com and Magazine does, specifically with uh, the, the out of 10 scale, right? You're scoring different position groups. And uh, the offensive line was published today by Dr. Petey. We'll talk to Derek Peterson tomorrow. Your thought right now on on this line in the story, and I paint the offensive line as a group that really never got asked to do consistently what they're probably best at. And I think if you ask the offensive line to run power, they could have ran power all day and they, they would run some some power with and I know it's a draw play but you had guys firing forward and moving north south with with some of the some of the the plays that worked in the run game right and that was a toss sweep and I think of McCaffrey going for 50 or I think of Adrian going up the middle right with some of that athleticism or when they get Mills lathered up which didn't happen as often as it could have that's where you saw success. And I also look at the numbers where Nebraska bludgeoned a really good Northwestern team running the football. They did it to Ohio State. They did it to Iowa. They did it to anybody they chose to do it to. So when I put my math together, I gave Nebraska's offensive line a 6 out of 10. That's a complete contradiction of what I just said. But overall, that's where I have them because they were supposed to be a strength. Where, where did you grade them at and what number kind of comes to your mind? Yeah, um, I mean, looking at this as the 2021 group, I would probably be between a six and a seven, so call it a six and a half if you want. Um, I think the talent level is is good. They obviously lost some experience from from 2020 with with Farniak and Hymas departing, um, but I, I I think the staff has really put a premium, well, one on size, like we can all see that but also on athleticism, like when this offense is kind of up and running and I mean, they're doing it now. It just hasn't quite produced the results that everyone hopes to see one day. Um, like they're very active, like they're going to pull guys from everywhere. Um, and you know, it's a little bit old school Nebraska in that sense. So yeah, we want you <laughs> to be six, seven through 20. That's cool. But we're also going to ask you to kind of pull and get all the way around <laughs> to the other edge. Occasionally, like you're going to be asked to do a lot. And so Nebraska's a little bit unproven um, at some spots uh, going towards the offensive line, but I really like the talent level. And, and when I think about a big picture, um, which, which Derek tries to do, and he does a really great job writing these, like they are really good reads. Um, if you haven't checked them out yet, we're through almost, well, most of the offense at this point, and we'll move to defense after that. Um, but just <laughs> offensive line is certainly for me, ahead of wide receiver and running back just based on, you know, kind of what we know and 
incoming talent, I think. It's probably, it, it, for me, it feels pretty equivalent to quarterback where you like what's there. You, you, you maybe think that, okay, it hasn't quite produced totally to the level that, that you might have expected, um, but, it, but it's still pretty high. So, you know, in tight ends, if you split them off mm-hmm. from the wide receivers, is probably the top group for me as we, as we turn the page to 2021 offensively. Brandon Vogel's with us, HailVarsity.com and Magazine. You know, I can say, all right, based on what's coming back and based on what they did last year and some question marks at right guard and you hope the center's figured out, to me it's more about philosophy than actual ability with with this yep. group. And if they can hammer down and, and hear Coach Austin out about being physical, not that they're not, but you get what I'm saying from an identity standpoint – they're going to run the football. That's that's not a question. But are they going to they going to going to wear people out uh, with with the style right of of running? And I think, man, you, you get things cleaned up on special teams. You've got a, a a whale of ball players back defensively. You've seen the last two years how you can win the West. Okay, uh, it just makes sense to to commit to a to a physical downhill run attack. And then let that kind of open up. The other part of this, too, is, you know, when it comes to the wideouts and, and finding a back or two to complement the O-line, I mean, that'll that the passing game's got to help out because if there's 400 people in the box, doesn't matter who's trying to run the ball or who's trying to block. I mean, the, the, the passing game needs to complement here a little bit for 2021, right? Yeah, it absolutely does. And I think I think you hit on a key point in, in mentioning some of the teams Nebraska was able to run the ball against, like, you run the ball well against Rutgers, great. It's a good way to win the game. You know, people kind of expect you to. You do it against Iowa, Northwestern, um, Ohio State to a, to a large degree, um, Wisconsin in, in 2019 to a, to a great degree. You know, that's, that's telling you a little something. So why doesn't, you know, but you still can't call that like a feature of, of Nebraska's offense. It's not the thing that you can hang your hat on. And, and so the question then quickly turns to to why, you know, personally, I tend to defer to the coaches a little bit. You know, they're not, they're not above reproach. Like you, you got to question some things. Um, you know, it, it, it's just strange to me that that Nebraska does run the ball so well against teams you wouldn't necessarily expect them to. And then against teams where you would, <laughs> it's sometimes not as big a part of the game plan. Yeah. And, and again, all, a lot of that comes into like how a team's defending you, what you see on film, et cetera, et cetera. All that stuff that the people who live it day in and day out from a coaching perspective have to deal with. But yeah, there's, there's enough there for, for it to feel promising and for it to feel like, you know, I, I like we were talking about Derek put him at a seven for the offensive line. And I, I edited that story. It wasn't like, I'm like, Oh, there's no way we can put him this high. Like it's, it's there, you know, you can debate over a point or two um, getting that passing game. Like in terms of making the offense go as a whole, like if you can run the ball that well um, and, and still be a threat throwing the ball, then you buy yourself a little bit more wiggle room to say, okay, well, we think this is the best way to do attack this team. Uh, even if everybody in the world thinks, well, you just line it up and run it against Illinois. Vogues, uh, I've got uh, two minutes in this segment. I might need to keep you for about two minutes on the other side to hit volleyball. But 
Is there a guy on, and just walk with me here for two seconds, is there a guy on that offensive line roster that could or may deserve a look at center and let's say Cam moves to right guard just with his athleticism and size and ability? I mean, is that something that you, you revisit? And it's not that I'm saying I'm, I'm writing Cam off. I think he played great against Ohio State. He's had his moments, uh, and they've been more good than, than, than bad. So I think he's really could be a great center. That said, do you have somebody else that may be just as reliable at center and let, let Cam go murder people at guard? Yeah, I, I, I would be a little bit surprised. Um, I, I think you would need somebody to really come up and be like, hey, this guy can really play center. Mm. Um, and we could, we could move, you know, more than like, let's get Cam into a spot where he can really succeed. Because like you said, I think he succeeds at center most of the time. Right. The problem has been the snaps. And when those come up, like it's apparent to everyone and it makes you feel like, well, this guy can't get, can't snap the ball consistently, consistently. Uh, you got to look at something else, but for the most part, you know, he got benched in that game and came back and after that things looked really good. And he's got a handful of highlight plays that you can remember from 2020 mm-hmm. and everything the coaches have said they're they're at least frost is, is pretty committed to him sure. at center. So I'd sure. be surprised if there was a switch, um, but you never know. I do expect there to be, um, you know, every spring should be about competition, but particularly given Nebraska's record over the past three seasons, like I think this spring has to be all about that. Like there, there have to be almost no pre- preconceived notions coming in. Folks, can I take two more minutes on the other side with you on volleyball? Yeah, absolutely. All right. Hang on. That's Brandon Vogel, managing editor, HailVarsity.com and Magazine. A quick break. Back with Vogues. As uh, we go roll forward on a Thursday with Hale Varsity Radio. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. 20 minutes away, Gary Barnett going to be with us. We'll uh, dive into the Tennessee situation. And uh, his uh, former running backs coach, Eric B. Enemy. Uh, some inside info on sleeping with B. Enemy. Man, that was the mother of all nicknames by Chris Berman uh, back in the day. Uh, we say hi to Brandon Vogel. He's been kind enough to hang on the line with this Chris Kelsey, former Buffalo Bill, coming up. So, Vogues, uh, I wanted to get your take on on volleyball with Coach Cook, uh, where Nebraska's ranked number five. They're, they're preseason three behind Wisconsin and Minnesota. And, and this format is going to be different because you're going back-to-back. Coach Cook doesn't get out coached really ever, but this is a new format where not only are you playing a team a second time, but you're doing it within 24 hours of one another. Should Will this affect Nebraska or will this uh, be better for Nebraska in, in just a really tough league? Yeah, I, I shade to it being a positive for, for Nebraska. Um, Coach Cook mentioned in his press conference, like if, if he's excited about that prospect, I think there's good reason for, for Nebraska fans to be excited about because I do think it puts a little bit more of a highlight on coaching and also just just talent. Nebraska is a team that can beat you multiple ways. You know, it can it can withstand Lawrence Difference being off for a night. It can withstand Lexi Sun having an off game if that happens. Um, issue is like there's there's some teams in the Big Ten that can also do that. You know, Wisconsin, Minnesota, Penn State immediately come to mind. 
So it, it's going to be tough in that front, but you're going to get a C. It's going to be a little bit like a, a mini kind of NBA playoff series <laughs> when you get sort of a, a Nebraska-Wisconsin matchup or Nebraska-Penn State because you know both those teams have excellent coaching as well. So I think it's going to be a ton of fun. I'm excited for the season, and I get the, I get the sense that Nebraska fans are really excited for this season just by when it falls and the fact that people have had to wait to, to see the Huskers play. Yeah, it's, it's in spring, and that's not normal, clearly, but uh, what a loaded team. In your, in your book with, with Coach Cook, Dream Like a Champion, Coach Cook has been uh, as good as it gets as a college coach, pick any sport for, for decades, and he's won titles, and he's won titles in the most difficult league. Okay, so it's, it's, it's all there. And in, in your sit-down and in your chapter with him on kind of self-evaluation, Coach Cook's a, a taskmaster. He's a guy that, that has a certain style, a certain bar, and you're going to grind. But there's also been some reflection during his career with the type of player that has come into his program where maybe he's, and I'm, and I'm not calling him a tyrant, maybe he's not so tyrannical with, with the style of practice, right? And he's still going to get your work done, but he's been able to adjust to a 2.0 version of athlete. Is that fair to say? Yeah, it absolutely is. And that was, that was kind of a key moment, you know, as we, we put that book together and just talking through kind of his career as a whole and, and year by year, you know, his ability to recognize that you're getting a different kind of athlete now than when he started coaching and, and realizing that, okay, this is going to require me to do some things differently um, and, and being willing to do that. Because the, the tough thing is when you've had this level of success and sustained success, like, it can be easy to not want to change anything when staying on top, you know, often being making small changes, like keeping your core values, what they are um, and, and relying on the knowledge that got you to that point, but being willing to tweak it. Um, and to use a football example, I mean, the best one right now is probably Nick Saban. Like his offense looks nothing like it did six, seven, eight years ago. Um, and that was a change. And I don't think it was a change he, he wanted to make. His perfectly perfect version of football, he would still be winning national titles like he did in the early 2010s. Mm-hmm. But he realized the game wasn't heading that way, um, and we better do something to do this, and, and he did. And I think that's a trait you find with, with a lot of great coaches and, and just a lot of great leaders in general. you got to be willing to make those jumps. That ability to adapt and, and, and recognizing it, five steps ahead versus five steps too late, right? Yep. That, I mean, that's, that's the whole game there. Are you, are you ahead or are you behind? Mm. Um, and, you know, it's, it, it's so easy to feel like, well, what we've done has worked and I ain't changing it. Mm. And it, usually uh, the game or just the circumstances catch up to you. So credit to them. Uh, you know, you look at this team, they've got a ton coming back. But it will be a lot different. And a lot of that, I think, comes down to also they treat each year kind of like its own entity. Like, okay, yeah, last year's team was good, uh, fell a little bit short of the Final Four. What kind of goals do we need to set? Like, what kind of team is this? And, and they kind of go on that journey of discovery each year. And, and the results stay the same. It's, it's pretty remarkable. Vogues, who you got for Sunday? <laughs> Oh, let's see. 
And are you jumping onto yeah. a, a, a fold-up table just to, to, to gear yourself up? Yeah, I didn't. I didn't appreciate the the show guest uh, that that happened to a Bears fan. But I'll, I'll go with the Bills. I, I I like the story there, and then probably probably the Packers. Although just <laughs> it, it kind of made. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll go. I'll go Bills Packers, and, and that'll make it easy for me in terms of the Super Bowl. Uh, Give, give me the bill. Okay, okay. We're talking to Coach Eckler tomorrow, and and we're going to dive into some Levante and, and Sue uh, fun stories uh, with with Coach Eck, but uh, kind of cover the Tampa side of things. But yeah, Chris Kelsey's uh, a little bit later on, but yeah, it, it'll be it'll be good. Uh, it'll be good eating and good uh, football watching Sunday, folks. Thanks for for uh, doing extended sit down with us today. Appreciate you jumping on, bud. Yeah, no problem. Thank you. All right. Brandon Vogel, managing editor, HailVarsity.com and Magazine. You know, one segment just wasn't enough for him. And, you know, we look at, as we talk offensive line and Nebraska football and tweaks and changes and, you know, how's how's 2021 going to shape up? And we talk about ceiling and we talk about bowl game and record and, and tough schedule. And, I mean, go through the list, right? And it, it comes down to what's your offense going to look like? How's your offense going to perform? We've seen the defense take and make strides, right? That's what you got coming back. They've got a certain level of expectation that they've proven. Now it's, it's the offense's turn. And we laid out some examples of Coach Cook. Not your core values. Clearly not. That's rock solid. But what changes do you make? Lars Anderson's been on talking about, you know, Saban going, you know, how did I get beat? <laughs> how did I get beat by that Ohio State team back in 2014? And, you know, I don't know if there was a rubber hose or, or a bright light used on Tom Herman, but there was a two-hour interrogation. And you go away from game manager quarterback to, let's get a dude named Tua. Let's get a guy named Jalen Hurts no one really knows about from Houston. Oh, let's let's get this guy named Mac in that can move pretty well in the pocket. And, oh, by the way, wait his turn. I mean, Coach Saban's as, as good as it gets in the world of college football. Uh, you look at Coach Cook in Nebraska volleyball, incredible. They're always, they're always maybe either small or large. It just depends on what's needed to stay on top. To Nebraska, not necessarily change an offense, but drill down and get great at something. I think they got the talent there, and I know the guys know how to coach. So let's see if it takes a step forward. We'll wind down hour one next. Chime in 402 466 ESPN or email the show Chris at HaleVarsity.com. Just try me. Try me. Back to Hale Varsity Radio. Okay, we got into this a little bit, uh, and this is uh, when it comes to sports gambling in Nebraska. And what's the next step here? You've got Senator Brett Lindstrom introducing legislation that would allow voters to decide whether to bring sports wagering, including mobile options or any other Internet-connected device to Nebraska. The bill will let voters decide whether to bring Nebraska on equal footing with the neighboring states and keep Nebraska tax dollars here at home. 
So you know that that gambling's been passed, right? You know that's gonna gonna be a reality. And so now that it's it's a reality, do you take full advantage? It's gonna happen. Do you take full advantage with the app and internet side of things? The uh, uh, resolution, if it gets passed, Nebraska. Nebraskans will head to the polls for a general election November 2022 to decide whether to to amend the Constitution and permit sports wagering in the state. You have uh, uh, Lindstrom's office uh, says that lawmakers would then return to Lincoln and adopt a framework that establishes consumer protections, rules and protocols for sports betting operators and how much the state will collect for licenses and fees. Right now, 22 states, Puerto Rico and D.C. have authorized sports wagering. You've seen the NBA jump out in front of this where in states that allow it, there are kiosks so you can put heat down on on Brooklyn uh, or Jersey, in Jersey, obviously. And I mean, there's a number of states, uh, neighboring states, Colorado and Iowa have this. I mean, we were doing shows pre-pandemic at Ameristar. We were doing Monday Night Footballs at Ameristar. It was great. Uh, voters in South Dakota backed a sports betting ballot measure this past election. Lawmakers in Missouri, Wyoming, Kansas, South Dakota, they intend to pass legislation this year to legalize sports betting. That includes a mobile option. So you are surrounded. You're surrounded. People are going to put heat down. You don't want it ever to become a problem where someone can't turn their heat on, like the scene in Casino where Joe Pesci almost wears out this dude who just can't pick a winner on Monday night. But we're talking $9 million alone in taxes. That's what experts forecast for the state. So you have the anti-gambling crowd, and you'll have the anti-sports wagering crowd, but you do have gambling now. It's a reality. You have casino projects that are that are moving forward. Listen, if you're surrounded and you're losing money anyway, and and gambling's here, I think not having as big of a sports state Nebraska is, I I think you move forward with it. And I know there's social ills, and there's some folks that aren't aren't in favor of it, but I mean the genie's out of the bottle, so to speak, on gambling. Okay, so why not? have a revenue stream with an app, be able to do it on online. And if your buddy, the bartender that takes book, if you're worried about his revenue stream, that's not necessarily legal, well, those guys always do it on credit, right? On credit. You gotta put your card in the machine with these apps all right gary barnett's coming up plenty to get into with football hour two hail varsity presented by the nebraska lottery welcome to hail varsity radio the voice of husker nation insight opinion expertise with the biggest and best names talking nebraska across the state join the show on twitter at hail varsity and at schmitz underscore radio call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865 here's chris schmitz Hour two, it's Hale Varsity, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Damon Barr, as uh, we're into hour two. And 
coming up, we'll check in with former longtime Buffalo Bill, Chris Kelsey, part of that Bills Mafia. Big football weekend. We say hi to the Hall of Fame coach at Northwestern and Colorado, Gary Barnett with us. And coach, uh, I'm going to ask you if it's still 75 and, and, and perfect down there. How is uh, how's your Thursday? It's about 65, but oh, uh, we're, we're actually expecting snow here and a high of 43 on Tuesday. So uh, everybody's getting bundled up and buying long coats and everything else. So uh, we're supposed to have about four or five days of rain and a day of snow coming up. Are you going to be okay? <laughs> well, that's what my wife asked me, and the answer to that is probably no. Yeah. But uh, I've got some books compiled. Uh, there's an indoor hitting range. Uh, there's two good games on Sunday. I can get by there. I can make it to Sunday. And uh, and then we're just going to have to see you know, how, what kind of a bullet I can bite for, for four of the days. Well, I was talking to Mom and, and Grandma, and they're, they're down, and it was – yeah, she they got there last weekend, and she's like, yeah, it was 70 and just fantastic, and, and then today was a little rain, yesterday was a little rainy, but, it, it, you know, we've had a couple of 50-degree days here, and then it's going to turn into old man winter, so you, you'll be all right. I'm confident you'll, you'll, you'll get through. I was watching the inauguration yesterday, and Twitter's hilarious because you've got Old Bernie Sanders bundled up, man, like he's in Siberia with Bernie's coat and those those handmade mittens. And what's the coldest game you've ever coached in uh, as a head coach or, or an assistant? Is there one that just still gets you chilly? Yeah, there was there was really uh, uh, just two, but the, the worst was. 1991 Ames, Iowa. <laughs> uh, there was a blizzard, and they blocked all the roads. We stayed in Des Moines and had to drive up to Ames. And cars were off the road. They blocked, they they let our bus go buses go through. Um, we got into we got there, and uh, the coach at Iowa State says. Bill uh, McCartney says, "You want to run? You want to do fifteen-minute uh, uh, running quarters?" And Coach McCartney says, "No, this is for the Big Eight Championship. We're playing regular football." <laughs> so, so I'm on the sideline, and I'm telling you, it's blowing forty miles an hour, and it's snowing, and there's there were sixteen hundred people in the stands, and Hagen was was out there trying to audible and he didn't have a, we weren't using shields at that time. And the snow was blowing when he was going towards their locker room, the snow was blowing into his face and the guys couldn't hear the snap count. So we had to go to a silent snap count because of the, of how hard the wind was blowing and how cold it was. So, and fortunately we had, uh, the equipment manager had just had delivered some, uh, down parkers. So I had a down parker on the sideline. All the other coaches, Denardo and those guys, not Denardo, he was gone, but the other coaches, my coaches were up in the booth warm, eating hot dogs and hot chocolate. And I am freezing down there. So uh, it was the coldest. I could not get warm for, 
for a day afterwards. That was the worst. And, and really, I think both games, cold games we ever had. We had a cold game with Nebraska in 1991 as well. If you remember, it was, it was a, a night, night game. Time. Yeah, yeah the, yeah. the infamous snowballs, yeah. right? Yeah. And uh, no, that was later. That was uh, that was later. The really cold one. We ran a uh, block extra point yeah. back for two points and tied. Nineteen nineteen. That was a really cold night as well. But those were the two uh, worst that I experienced. I remember watching the ninety one game in front of a fireplace just to rub it in. And uh, <laughs> but yeah, the 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 old Beekert uh, two point return, right? Yep. Yep. Exactly. Well, Jimmy Walden, that sounds like Coach Walden wanting to run quarters. That, that was Jimmy. <laughs> I got to ask you, Gary Barnett's with us on Hale Varsity Radio. You know, uh, a guy that, that you know really well and coached for you is Eric Bieniemy, And and uh, Coach Bieniemy's interviewed for a lot of jobs, and I know he's interviewed with the Texans. What what's your take on things? I mean, with with as to why he's not gotten a head coaching gig yet. You know, I don't know. I think it probably hurts him a little bit in the playoffs because okay. uh, he can't really go interview. And when you're playing all the way up to the Super Bowl, you know, I, I know he did do a couple interviews. You're right, mm-hmm. but you know, he can't stay on it. And he can't. You know, have everybody call who needs to call and do all that. He can't work it the way he could if if they were in the playoffs. So I don't know whether that's part of it uh, or not, but uh, I think he's ready. I think he's really matured. Um, but like I told him, you know, if you don't get one, it's not the worst thing. Have the best quarterback in the world call him and run your offense, and uh, you know, you're you're in a pretty good spot. And that's. It's a big step up to head coach and a lot of athletics, so you may not be all that bad shape. How often do you talk with him? I mean, do you, does he bend your ear quite a bit on things? Well, you know, he, he talks to me he, a year ago when he when Colorado wanted to hire him, he called me, and then I see him once a year at a, at a buff outing in in the summer, and then he'll text me. Every once in a while, I always text him after his big games, mm-hmm. and he always gets back to me. But uh, you know, we we talked for a long time last year about the about the Colorado job. Yeah. Okay. Well, with him, what 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 did you love about him uh, when he when he worked for you? In, and I know he's done a couple of stints at CU, but he was your running backs coach. And I, I've seen other NFL insiders get feedback from players and, and, and other coaches about, you know, his charisma, his personality at that level. You saw it in college, and I'm, and I'm sure you, you know Eric's personality pretty well. How is he able to connect with guys that are, that are making money in the NFL at a, at a pro level, but also what did you see from him at the college level? Well, he's sort of a self-made man, and, you know, he's not one of these guys that when you look at him, you go, well, look, you know, it's not like looking at Tony Gonzalez or some of these guys that are out there. I mean, Eric was just a little short, uh, chunky guy that just ran over people, worked his fanny off, was tougher and meaner than anybody on the football field, and went to recruiting. He was like a dog chasing a bone, and he was he was relentless in his recruiting. Now, he was tough on his players. I'm not kidding you. He was tough on them, but I love that about him. 
But the thing that I really liked, he was really bright, you know, and the night he learned from every coach, and he knew the West Coast offense inside and out. And so we really, you know, I went to that right after I went from Northwestern to Colorado. We went to the West Coast. And um, and so he, he was really instrumental in helping us, you know, build it up, add to it a lot when he came on board. So he was bright. He's matured so much, uh, you know, and I, he's, he listens. He, he doesn't jump uh, and overreact. And so I just think he's ready. And I certainly hope if he really wants one, he gets his chance. Coach, when it comes to, to the, the maturation process uh, at the college level or even at, at a higher level in the NFL, take me through some of that uh, with, with what you mean by maturation. Uh, we all get better with age. We, we want to anyway. Uh, we all get, get uh, more uh, grayer in the beard with just soaking up that knowledge. When you talk about maturity, what are some, some ways coaches mature? Well, first of all, um, you know, Eric worked hard, but he had some, some natural ability. And, uh, you know, he was a player, and players see it from a player's perspective, and that is their world. So after starting to coach um, with us, he started to understand why some of the things that he, he thought were wrong or maybe were, were not done well from a coaching perspective and in his career at different places, he started to see why maybe they were done that way. And he started to understand the dilemma that coaches have sometimes. And, 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 um, and he's, he's been able to now look at it from a coaching perspective. And he's taken, you know, Andy Reid has really, you know, polished him. And I think he sees a way of doing things and a way of associating things and at the same time, being able to keep relationships with players at this, uh, you know, uh, together. So, you know, it's, it's experience is all it is. But it's also you you've got to be open to it. You know, it uh, you've got to be open and looking for it, and you've got to really say, I want to get better, and that means I'm going to have to look at things from a different angle and understand. You know, gr- the greatest leaders have great empathy. And so, you know, I think Eric now can see that sort of stuff. I, we do a Zoom call with four players and, um, with, that played on the mm-hmm. And it's interesting to hear uh, players talking about all the tough days and all the things we went through in Colorado and, all, you know, everything that happened. And you hear Eric's perspective on it. Mm-hmm. And it's completely different than all the other guys now because he's a coach and because he's coaching at the highest level. So, you know, he sees things a little more clearly uh, than he did when he was 21 years old. Gary Barnett's with us, Hale Varsity Radio. Coach, going to switch gears and talk uh, some Tennessee football. And what's what's your view on the Vols job? I know Kevin Steele, uh, former Nebraska assistant, and Kevin's been with Saban and with Dabo, and Kevin's uh, been down at Auburn. Uh, so he he may stick. I know they just hired Danny White away from Central Florida, and Danny's got a really good track record of hires. Uh, he's got a chance to, to make uh, uh, the next one. But what's the view uh, among the coaching fraternity with this Tennessee job? Is it 
untapped could be great, or is it just uh, something that's on fire right now? I, I, I think it's a dumpster fire right now, truthfully. Um, and, and I think Kevin's gonna—he's gonna get sins in this deal. Um, and, and I'm not sure. You know, Kevin's been a head coach at Baylor, mm-hmm. and you, you know that didn't work out. And, and I'm not sure Kevin or anybody can put this fire out right now. Uh, you know, Tennessee's always—it's one of those jobs. You know, I'm going to compare it to Nebraska a little bit because. Mm-hmm. It, uh, it it's in it's in this SEC and it's close to a really good recruiting base, but there aren't a lot of a lot of numbers that come out of Tennessee itself. They have to go and get them out of Ole Miss, get them out of Alabama, get them out of Florida, get them out of Georgia, you know, and, and North Carolina and around there. And they used to go to California. I mean, when we play them, when I used to recruit against them, they would go to Cal- We'd recruit against them in California and Texas, so they were a national recruiting. Uh, program and you know the number of players they actually have from Tennessee is pretty doggone small mm-hmm. so um, they don't have a natural recruiting base right outside their door uh, and I think Nebraska is much the same way mm-hmm. but uh, you know right now with the violations that it looks like they have and they I think they've really got it you know they don't uh, you know former not knowing what's going on uh, Pruitt you know, they've had so many guys leave the program. It's just going to need some sort of stability, and it's not going to be something you're going to fix overnight. Um, you know, when you look back and look at Butch Jones, he didn't do all that bad a job, you know, compared to a lot of other programs, but he didn't do what Tennessee thought should be done. And, uh, you know, so now you go through coaches after coaches after coaches, and once you get into that rhythm, you're cooked. And I think that's pretty much what's happened to Tennessee. They've just gone through too many coaches. Well, we're talking five hires and fires, eight interims, and that's since 2008. I mean, that's incredible. Yeah. Nebraska's been you through. You can't build anything. No. You can't build anything that way. Well, and you got to be patient enough to let, let it happen. But there's also a jumping-off point where you don't think it's going to happen, but you, you need the ultimate patience to see it through. and. You know, I, I'm just wondering if, if Steele's kind of a place setter coach. I got about a minute left. Do you think uh, White can bring somebody else in, or do you think it's it's Coach Steele to, to kind of drive the ship here for a year? Well, it depends upon whether or not they just feel like they, they've just got to have a really clean program and sort of collect it all back together and let Kevin hang on and handle it for a year. Mm-hmm. Uh, Long term, I don't see that being their move. So they got to decide whether they're going to make another change in another year or two years, mm-hmm. or whether they're just going to they can find somebody that they really think can do it right now. Um, and, and I have no idea. I, yeah. I, I don't know who's interested, but there's a lot of guys interested, but I don't know if any of them are the right guys. Okay, uh, quickly, your picks for Sunday. Who's going to the Super Bowl? Uh, I think Buffalo and the Packers. Buffalo and Green Bay, says Coach mm-hmm. Ed. All right. That's uh, it's not, not bad. That's not bad. Yeah. I, 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 I don't know if Mahomes is going to be ready to rock or not, but Buffalo's playing good ball, and, and Green Bay might have a little too much. Coach, we'll give you a shout uh, down the road. Thanks for your time today. Always great to chat with you. All right, Chris. Good to be with you. Thanks. All right. Bye-bye. There he is. Coach Gary Barnett, great insight to, to Eric Bieniemy. Kind of his steps is in in the coaching world. Thoughts on Tennessee. Uh, Chris Kelsey, 
Bills Mafia next. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Back with you, Tail Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Let's talk some NFL and a 10-year veteran with Buffalo. We say hi to Chris Kelsey as uh, the Bills and Chiefs set to go on Sunday. Chris, thanks for the time. Good to have you back on. How have you been? I've been been great. Thanks for having me uh, back on the show. Everything is uh, good and well on my end, and looking forward to uh, hopefully a good game in Kansas City. Uh, this weekend with the Bills and the Chiefs uh, facing each other. Are you going down? We are. My wife and I uh, got tickets, so we'll be heading down there a decent time Sunday morning and, and look forward to uh, watching the game live. Man, that'll be outstanding. Uh, I think rain and, and some uh, chilly temperatures, but uh, I do have to ask, have you found a way after retiring, do you wear sleeves now? <laughs> Occasionally, yes, I will, but uh, um, <laughs> never on the field, right? Right, yeah, that's that's the, that's the rule. So what's this uh, like for you, a guy who poured uh, his, uh, his soul into Buffalo, great career in Buffalo, great career in Nebraska, and you've seen this team kind of climb. I'm sure you're watching him every Sunday, but what have your impressions been of this run they're on? I've been very impressed, you know, uh, the team, the organization, um, the fans of Buffalo, um, they deserve um, a team like this. You know, they were, you know, for 20-plus years, almost 25 years um, since their last uh, uh, playoff win. Um, that's a long time uh, to go without, uh, you know, a playoff win. And, and the fans are, are similar to uh, here in Nebraska. You know, there's there's not a whole lot else in Buffalo other than uh, the Buffalo Bills. And uh, they're avid fans. They're diehards. They love their team. Uh, win, lose, or draw, and and uh, to see it all come around and, and and get back to to where they were back in the early '90s, you know, with Jim Kelly and Bruce Smith and, and all those guys, it's it's exciting. It's too bad that uh, you know they're limited to uh, no fans in the stands until the playoffs, and then um, the, the two home playoff games only 6,700 fans. But uh, man, they they made the uh, the stadium loud and and made up for the the spectators that weren't in the seats. So. Um, it's an exciting time for them, and, and I think they finally got a really good head coach there, and Sean McDermott, and, and the general manager uh, Brian Bean. You know, they they were together down in Carolina, and they worked very well together. Um, that chemistry is important in building a team, and then obviously the league's a quarterback-driven league, and, and Josh Allen looks to be a looks to be the, the franchise quarterback that should be there for a long time. He's really put it together um, from year to year, and is playing at a very high level this year. You know, I look at I look at Allen, and I remember. I don't know if it was 16 or 17 or maybe even one of those years. He was here, you know, when Wyoming played in Lincoln. And remember covering that game, and, and he had a, a tough day. I think Nate Gary had a had a career day uh, when it comes to interceptions. But uh, just watching him play and, you know, another Coach Bull quarterback, right, where uh, he makes the jump to the NFL uh, after – Playing really well at Wyoming for for the, the you know a couple seasons and to see him grow and uh, step up and you look at his completion percentage but you know Chris you look at, at quarterbacks today it's it's not your Marino or even Peyton Manning per se where it's you know three five seven step drop everybody's mobile that's got to drive defensive guys a little crazy doesn't it Yeah absolutely you know it's even back when I was playing it's uh, it's I kind of saw towards the tail end of my career um, some of the more mobile quarterbacks starting to 
to filter into the league, but now it's like every team, all the good quarterbacks can move, um, use their feet to some degree, and and Josh is no exception. You know, you mentioned his accuracy, and you see where he went from year one to year two, uh, made a pretty good stride there, but really from year two to year three, I don't know who he worked with exactly in the offseason, but he completely changed his throwing mechanics, and um, I mean, the accuracy and just how well he's seen the field now and being able to read defenses and feel comfortable and in, in, in Dable's uh, offensive scheme, um, it's amazing. I haven't seen anything like it, and uh, I hope he continues to progress. And um, Another thing that I just I love about Josh, too, is he acts like a 10-year veteran back there. He doesn't get flustered. He doesn't get shaken. Um, he's just cool, calm, collected, and, and that goes a long way. You know, he's, he's – uh, got complete command of that huddle and, and the respect of all his teammates and his coaches and um, and he can do it with uh, with his feet as well like you mentioned the ground the ground game shoot he's our leading rusher in a lot of the games this year I um, mean he's a big guy you know he's six five uh, two hundred and forty pounds I mean um, and he moves well for that size and so you know as, as he get into the second level and you got some of those little defensive backs um, you know it's tough for them to come up and make a big hit or. Um, try to bring a, a bigger quarterback like that down because he runs hard too. He, you know, he's not just going to slide down. He's looking to hurl over you or run through you uh, to get those extra yards. And um, sometimes that's scary because you know he's gone down a couple of, a couple times this year and, and you kind of hold your breath. But luckily, he's always gotten back up and he's able to uh, continue through the season. So um, I'm super excited to watch him play this Sunday. Obviously, uh, they got their hands full with with Mahomes and the guys in Kansas City. But um, you know, why not now? Um, you know see what you can do, and that's why, that's why they play the games. You never know um, who's going to come out on top. Black shirt and uh, 10-year Bill vet Chris Kelsey with us, Hale Varsity Radio. Let's flip it around, and from your experience, third and long, flying off the edge, can you put into words what, what that, that, that money down's like? You did it for 10 years, and then getting to a quarterback, hurrying a quarterback, putting a hit on a guy, I mean, is it just a blur for you? Yeah, you know, those are the downs that you live for. Um, as a defensive band, a rush in, um, uh, that's where you make your money, so they say. And um, You know, anymore, um, it's so important to be able to get a quarterback, you know, off the spot, out of the pocket, make him uncomfortable. And, you know, any – I mean, you can go back even to the, the Super Bowls uh, that Tom Brady and the Patriots didn't win. The reason why they didn't win it is because – teams like the New York Giants with Strahan and um, Tuck and those guys are able to apply pressure. And not only um, is it sacks, but, but pressures, quarterback hits, and just continually getting after his butt and, and make him know that you're there. Even though you may not hit him or may not uh, sack him every third down or every down that you, uh, you know, get a chance to tee off on him, but he knows that you're around there, get in his face, get, get close to him, and, and it makes a huge difference. I don't care how good of a quarterback you are, but um, they always teach you to try to get the quarterback off the spot, which messes up their timing and and uh, you know changes things as far as as their routes and their progressions and, and getting in the quarterback's head. So um, obviously that's something that you're taught as a defensive uh, pass rusher, and and that's something that uh, again um, that's what you you strive for to get them in those third and, and passing downs, those third and longs, those third and intermediate, and and make them throw the ball. Share some of your experiences. Chris Kelsey with us on Hale Varsity Radio with the Bills Mafia. The fan base, legendary. I love the comparison to the Nebraska fan base. I see 
SUV diving to tables, right, when they're tailgating. <laughs> you ever been out in the, in the parking lot with, with the, the Bill fan base or any teammates of yours? I mean, what's your experience been like with, with that Bill's Mafia crew? Because they are legendary, they're proud, and they are loud for their football team. And it'll be back to normal here sooner rather than later where it's a full parking lot to tailgate. But, man, I mean, you see stuff on YouTube, you see stuff on Twitter, and it's, it's pretty intense uh, part of that fan base. Yeah, they're they uh, they're the mafia for a reason, right? Um, <laughs> I have since I retired. Obviously, when I was playing, I didn't spend much time out. Right. But uh, since retiring, we we still try to get up to a game or two a year. Obviously, this year was a little tough with COVID, and and we didn't even allow fans in the in the stands mm-hmm. until the playoffs. So I wasn't able to to take the kids and my wife up there this year. But yeah, we uh, we mosey around. We see what's going on. You know, some of the things that I, I wasn't able to do when I was playing. It's fun just to kind of. You know, walk around, visit with some people. You always see friendly faces and, and people that you see around town, people that you grow to know. Um, again, those 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 fans in in, in uh, the stadium on Sundays, you, you almost get to know them as as family members because you see them in the same seats every week. There's a lot of season ticket holders, and uh, again, similar to uh, yeah. that Nebraska. So um, you build relationships, and, and a lot of those people are still there, obviously. So uh, you know, we move on as players, but uh, they still stay there and, and support their team so it's always fun to get back but yeah there's uh i've never never been directly involved in any uh you know table jumping or, or any other shenanigans that uh, the bills mafia have kind of been known for through youtube like you mentioned but uh um you know i've seen it from a from a distance if you will well uh, you know what it, it's all right to watch from a distance is there a, a tailgate spread in retirement that, that wowed you because you know nebraska fans get after it uh, that's that's an awesome part of of the, the the football experience is rolling up and someone's got burgers or brats or some ribs or steak or whatever. Is there a, is there one food spread that that I guess stuck with you? You know, like up there in, in Buffalo, you you have a lot of the um, Italian type dishes. You know, yeah. obviously the buffalo wing, which was invented in Buffalo, but you know you'll get your fried bologna sandwiches, you'll get your bratwurst. Um, obviously the pizzas and stuff like yeah. that, but uh, um, I am a fan of food. Um, I like them all. Um, I don't have a favorite necessarily, but uh, as I've gotten older, I've, I try to stay in the gym and, and watch watch my health and my figure as much as I can. So uh, some of that's pretty tempting, but a lot of times I uh, I just kind of got to pull the reins in and, and, and say pass. <laughs> that's all right. Chris Kelsey with us, Hale Varsity Radio. Chris, uh, I want to switch gears to Nebraska. Uh, I'm sure you watched uh, Nebraska this year and. Uh, some tight games that didn't go Nebraska's way as Coach Frost and company kind of look towards year four. Are you pretty optimistic things are about to get shifted? I am. I'm, I'm very optimistic. You know, uh, this season was, was one that I hope we'll, hopefully we never experience again, you know, just with all the COVID mm-hmm. stuff and and uh, the late start for the Big Ten and, and what have you. So, uh, you know, we had our backs against the wall from the get-go. And it was disappointing to see Wandell um, uh, transfer and, um, you know, you got to play with the guys you got, and uh, hopefully the guys that we have on this team. You know, I've seen several of the guys are coming back, and um, that's encouraging to see. But I still have a lot of a lot of faith and, and hope in, in Frost and his staff and what they're doing there. There, um, it's just going to take time. You know, when when they inherited this this program, um, everybody knew it was pretty bad, but I don't think anybody knew just how bad it was. So, um, 
they're going to get after it. And um, I was disappointed they didn't choose to play in a bowl game. You know, that's what you sign up for uh, to come play football is to play in games. And so that was disappointing to see. Um, that's my opinion. And, mm-hmm. and uh, that opinion can't be changed. I don't care who asked me. I'll say the same thing. But uh, it is what it is. We could have used the extra whatever five or six days of practice. Um, but I kind of get it as well, you know, where the kids are coming from. Um, the year it was, not being around family, not seeing, you know, anybody other than themselves. So um, that all weighs on you, I'm sure, after after time. But uh, um, I'm looking forward to uh, what lies ahead and, and expecting to uh, to keep building and, and getting to a point where we're competing, competing at a high level. Well, yeah, you have the defense that's taken some major strides and, and they're loaded back up, uh, nine of the 11 starters back. So, uh, and they're uh, they're a lot more stout on that defensive line, uh, that position you're familiar with. Chris Kelsey is with us at Hale Varsity Radio, longtime Bill, standout Husker, and he is de- headed down to, to check out uh, his Bills against Kansas City uh, this weekend in Arrowhead. Chris, we'll do this uh, again sooner rather than later. Uh, best to you and your family. Thanks for a few minutes today. My pleasure. I appreciate the call. Gotta love talking Bills, Bills Mafia, and uh, Buffalo playoff football. Shout out to Seth and the Lazari's crew as well. Awesome to, to chat with Mr. Kelsey. We'll uh, get best bets next. Danny Burke on the way with Hale Varsity, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. He's in his 30s, but sounds like he was born with a stogie in one hand and a brew in the other. Now, say my name. It's Schmitty on Hale Varsity Radio. I got the body of a hot pre-teen Swedish boy. Back into it at Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Time for Burke's Best Bets. Danny Burke, the pride of Chicago, is back with us. His show, Rush Hour, on the VEASAN Sports Network. You can hear that on iTunes. Follow Danny on Twitter at DannyBurke5. Pride of Chicago, I think I'm going to fire up uh, big old Lazaris and watch me some football Sunday. How are you? Schmitty, my man, I can't wait. I'm good. We're coming off a you know a pretty solid weekend in terms of the bets that we had. The Bucks had a nice little win for us. I'm in a little bit of a conundrum now because I have a small futures ticket on the Bucks to win the NFC Championship, but I'm kind of leaning toward Green Bay a little bit. It's tough, man, but I'm excited. Well, your futures. How much can you cash in on that thing? Well, so we talked about it on the show when they were about 7-1, to one, and this mm. was at the beginning of December. I actually ended up pulling the trigger when they were at about 4-1. to one. The tough part about hedging this one is because Green Bay is the favorite. That's why it's in a little bit tougher of a spot. You're not going to get, obviously, as much money as I'd, like, as I'd like to get out of it. So, you know, I honestly, I could wait for the in-game, or I might just go all in on Green Bay. But... Uh, right now, I mean, you know, it, it, it's a decent amount. It's nothing that, like, is going to be substantial if I end up staying away from it. So we'll, we'll just let it play it by ear, I think. Well, right now, the, the number's at minus three for both games. Let's stay with Tampa and Green Bay. And, you know, I've enjoyed watching Levante, David. Uh, you worked with us when we would uh, we were able to get Levante on on a semi-regular basis and Dude's just incredible. He's also playing for a contract extension, and his play speaks for itself. Sue is just kind of that quiet psycho, right, where he's logging 75% of the snaps. And and then you have Tom Brady and Gronk and, and of course, Bruce Arians, B.A. I'd love to see Tampa go. I just think Aaron Rodgers is playing too well. What they did against L.A.'s defense – 
is impressive. A little revenge on Green Bay's mind. That's got to be. And turnovers will decide this. And and right now, uh, that's a lot of the reason Tampa made it. I mean, they, they had just enough offense, but they forced four turnovers against New Orleans here. Are you laying the three, taking the three, or staying the hell away because it's three? You know, I think if I'm playing it right now, I would lay the three. And I've been pretty much kind of just like what I talked about when we were talking about these futures. I've been all over Tampa Bay pretty much the whole year, especially when they started struggling right before their bye week. That's why I was buying or futures ticket in the value on them because arguably, and I still would probably make that argument, that they're the most complete team in the NFL. And it's, it's funny that I'm saying that because I'm leading against them, but they have the best defense remaining in the postseason. That was evident against the Saints, and that's the reason I picked them against the Saints. Offensively, they have the most weapons, but the thing that scares me with Tampa Bay is sometimes they get off to these slow starts, and sometimes their play calling is very suspect and very predictable, and you kind of saw that against the Saints. Now, granted, the Saints have a really good defense, but like you said, it came down to the turnovers, and we knew that was going to have to be the case against the Saints or Tampa Bay. But also, it's a way different situation with their opposing quarterback. Drew Brees was evidently over the hell at that point. I mean, his arm is just completely a noodle at this point. And look, Aaron Rodgers is going to win the MVP. He's playing the best ball of his life, you could say. So I think that Green Bay actually takes advantage of this Tampa Bay defense that does amazing against the run. They're number one against the run in DVOA defense. Against the pass, they're not too shabby. I mean, in DVOA, they're okay, but really they're letting up a lot of yardage. So I think that Green Bay will be able to take advantage of it and be able to win this game. But Tampa Bay is still going to be able to keep up themselves. They're going to try to get their run game going because Green Bay does not have a good run defense. So if that's the case, then this ball will probably get slowed down a little bit more so and you tie that in with the fact that Tampa Bay may just be slow to start out the game like we've seen before. I think it's going to come down to the end, but I think Green Bay at home in this colder weather is still going to have the advantage here. It's not that you know, Tom Brady and Robert Gronkowski and other guys aren't used to it. But, you know, I think you just give the advantage of Green Bay here. I think you're right. It just has one of those feels like it's Aaron Rodgers' year to go back to the Super Bowl. So I would probably lay the three here. What I've liked with Tampa offensively, and, and you look at Brady and he had Julian Edelman as, you know, seven yard outs all day, right? Good luck defending it. And they're just going to pick you apart. Well, he's kind of turned to his running backs, Either, either Ronald Jones or with Big Lenny. He was able to dump off to them and, and pick up some nice dink and dunk yards versus that go big mentality where Arians is always saying throw it 100 yards downfield. I like the adjustment that, that, that Brady's made. We'll see if, if the, uh, the running backs get loose or the tight ends Uh, do some work against Green Bay. Uh, A couple of minutes here. Chiefs, Bills. I expect Mahomes to play. I think he'll clear protocol if if he hasn't already. And I love Allen. I mean, this thing could be an old-fashioned who's got the ball last, uh, you know, 31-28 type ball game. Our dear friend Searles is headed down to the AFC title game. So I'm interested here. I think Kansas City finds a way, but I got a sneaking suspicion that, you know, Buffalo might might break some hearts, too. I could see it going either way. I'm kind of with you here, Schmitty, and I, I, I agree completely. I think Patrick Mahomes is going to play. In my mind, there's no way he doesn't. So if you think that's the case, certainly play the Kansas City Chiefs now before the line moves as we see it as three. 
I, I think what this game comes down to, I mean, Buffalo's defense has slowly improved over the latter half of the season. Kansas City's been pretty sub-average for the most part this year. That that was the difference between this year's team two years ago and last year when they won the Super Bowl. Their defense stepped it up toward the second half of the season. We haven't seen that progression this year, and obviously they've lost some parts. And even offensively, this hasn't been a team that's run up the score, has been dominant. We just haven't seen that. The last time it happened really was against the Ravens. And we kind of talked about this on the show last week. And, you know, they barely beat the Browns. Granted, Patrick Mahomes was out. They probably cover and win that game if he stays in it. But now you're going against this high-powered Buffalo team. And, I, you know, I, I want to root for Buffalo in a sense because they're the fun team to go with right now. And you would take the three points and that would seem like the right move. But at the end of the day, I think you also get the experience nod to Kansas City. And, you know, nowadays home field advantage isn't that much, especially when the crowd is limited. But I still think it's a little bit of a factor here for the Chiefs, especially with that experience. Patrick Mahomes, let's be honest, he's going to play. And their run game, they can get going a lot more than Buffalo can. That's where you haven't seen anything for Buffalo. What, they ran the ball maybe five times their last game? First 20 so, plays with throws, brother. <laughs> I mean. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, you know, I was sweating out Josh Allen's passing props. I wasn't too mad about it in the moment. But, like, look, you have to establish that ground game at some point. It's so fun to watch them throw, but you need to get that going eventually because then you're just one-dimensional. So, you know, I, I lean to Kansas City here based on experience. It's tough. I haven't made a bet yet because I kind of want to root for Buffalo, but I do think I lean a little bit toward Kansas City in this spot. Well, you look at the the um, the Week 9 matchup here between the Bills and Chiefs, uh, actually is Week 7, but 26-17, and you had, really, it was Clyde getting the work done on the ground for 161 yards. Mahomes was held in check, 225. But Allen, uh, pretty dismal, 122 yards throwing. Yeah. Yeah, only eight rushes for 42 yards. Stephon Diggs, not even 50 yards receiving. But it was a defensive struggle. And it was really the, the special teams. It was uh, Harrison Butker, a couple field goals in the fourth quarter that uh, made it happen. The Chiefs were up by 13 in that game in Buffalo. Uh, scored late, so we'll see where it goes. Daddy, enjoy the weekend and thanks for jumping on. Schmitty, you're the man. Enjoy the game. Talk to you next week. Miss us? Come here, brother. Give me a hug. Bring it in for the real thing. We're on call for you. Catch the podcast at HailVarsity.com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. Saddle up, partner. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. One final time on a Thursday. Good show today. Check the podcast out, HailVarsity.com. The on-demand, the interviews you want to hear. That's Chris Kelsey, Gary Barnett, Brandon Vogel. Uh, can go to ESPNLincoln.com. And uh, podcast, uh, give us a review. Check us out. Subscribe. Take us with. Uh, if you're working out, taking a walk, or just driving to work, whatever you want to do, can go to iTunes, Hail Varsity Radio, Spotify, or Google Play, and of course the Herd Ant Media Network platform has uh, just a boatload of podcasts. Catch Aaron Sorensen's podcast with Sasha, Brandon Vogel's I-80 podcast, more to it with Jay Moore, straight-up breakdown with, of course, uh, Greg Smith and Jay Foreman, uh, Damon Benning, and of course Jacob Padilla. Does a, they do a great job of weekly high school prep breakdown, football and basketball I think uh, Matt Verzel's got a podcast going and then some pop culture 
uh, and lifestyle stuff as well with the Herdad family. So check that out. Uh, check all of them out. HerdadMedia.com. And uh, check out all the podcasts that way. And uh, Derek Peterson tomorrow at 425. The Varsity Club podcast is, is his baby, and it's fantastic. So Dr. Petey, tomorrow uh, we'll catch up with the pride of Fairbury, Bill Dolman, NBC Sports, and uh, former Nebraska assistant coach, uh, helped recruit Levante David to Lincoln. Mike Eckler going to be with us. Coach Eck will join us, get some thoughts on Tampa and uh, his time with uh, Levante and Sue. And uh, that is going to be great. So, Coach Eckler, tomorrow, ensure a stake in a beer bet, and we'll make our final proclamations and predictions for the AFC and FC Championship, your home for the NFL, ESPN Lincoln. Reminder about buckling up. 70% of people in fatal crashes in Nebraska not wearing a seatbelt. If used properly, a seatbelt can reduce the risk of fatal injury by up to 60%. Your best defense in any crash buckling up. Brought to you by the Nebraska Department of Highway Safety Office. Damon Barr. Okay. So you really haven't come forward with whether you're in or out on the, the Bernie mittens. I, uh, I He was warm. I, I changed my uh, Twitter picture to that picture of him sitting there with the, the mittens all crossed up. It's one of the, that's that's the best social media little. Oh look, it's not Waldo, it's Bernie. I think it's the perfect sum of just who he is. He just didn't he, give a bleep. He was just there. He had to go buy groceries later. He and was just stopping by. Stop by the mail, get the mail. But those are. I mean, Michael Scott is jealous of those mittens. Phyllis is still working on, you know, Michael's mittens in in the Goodbye Michael episode, and and Bernie's like, <laughs> I'm gonna wear these bastards. They're probably expensive as all get out. Some little bed and breakfast has a retail section in Vermont where you can get hand woven socks to wear with your Birkenstocks and those mittens. So what what's for dinner tonight, Damon? It's a new recipe trying out a uh, crock pot. Uh, was it a uh, salad dressing chicken ah. recipe with noodles? Yeah. Okay. You doing Italian? Italian or, okay, dressing, Okay. Yep. I've got something for you with uh, sweet and tangy Dorothy Lynch okay. and chicken and, and Lipton soup mix that was killer. All right, tomorrow we'll get you ready for the NFL. Thanks for hanging out with Hale Varsity presented by the Nebraska Lottery.